Thank you for downloading or podcasting this track. This recording has been remastered to provide the best sound possible given the audio environment of the original recording session. Mosaic Silver Spring is a faith community located just inside the Capitol Beltway in Montgomery County. For more information, please visit our website, www.mosaicsilverspring.org, and we'll see you in the neighborhood. Good morning, church, and Happy New Year. Um, as, jo- as Joel said, the scripture meeting this morning is from John chapter 15. I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me, and I am him. He, 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 it, it is that bears much fruit from apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so it proves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends, for all that I have heard from my father I have known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you, that you should go and bear fruit, and that your fruit should abide, so that whatever you ask the father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you, so that you will love one another. This is the word of the Lord. Would you pray with me? Father God, we thank you uh, for your word. Um, We pray that you be with uh, Pastor Joel as he speaks to to us, open our ears um, and soften our hearts to learn what it is to truly abide in you um, and bear fruit, um, especially as we start this new year, Lord. um, We pray all these things in your name. Amen. Amen. Thanks so much, Connie. One of the things that uh, Spotify typically does uh, around this time of year, like mid-December, is they email you uh, a wrapped of 2022. So they, I'm sure, track uh, every song you listen to and how much you listen to it. And uh, then they email you at the end of the year and you're like, hey, here is your top five or top ten songs that you listen to. And uh, that could be really encouraging to you or it could be somewhat depressing, uh, but it typically gives a snapshot of just what you were listening to. So for me, when I scrolled my wrapped uh, of 2022, uh, it had a lot of workout songs. I tend to listen to Spotify when I'm running or working out, and so uh, I could look through the list and say, oh, those are workout songs. But then there were other songs, uh, jazz in particular, where those are study songs, uh, because typically when I'm writing or reading, I like to have a little bit of music, but uh, jazz is my preferred or go-to 
option uh, for uh, what I listen to or stream uh, when I'm doing that particular activity. So there is a link for me when I look back through my list. And uh, while that's fun in a way, my next move after I looked at my wrapped was to look at what playlist I'm going to do for what's next as I look into 2023. There's always this dance of looking back and thinking, oh, right, here's what I was doing when I was listening to this. But then a looking ahead to say, okay, so what's next for me? And here in John's gospel, that's a little bit of what's happening at the ministry point as Jesus connects with his disciples. Uh, he is at the point in his ministry life where he has uh, spent years with the disciples teaching them about what God is doing. But he's also looking ahead to his crucifixion and what lies in front of him on the road to Jerusalem. And so uh, it's as if uh, through many of the chapters in John, Jesus is reflecting on uh, the jazz of his own miracles and the ways in which he has connected and made known God is intervening in the world. He's had some pop thrown in uh, in his teaching of the disciples and helping to unpack for them using vivid imagery of light and dark, uh, life and death, uh, just what it means with his arrival. He has sung the blues uh, with his interactions with the Pharisees and religious leaders, people who should know better but don't and seemingly are working in opposition to him. And so here, with this last I am statement in the Gospel of John, it's right in the middle of maybe uh, the gospel of uh, a song of hope. What, What can the disciples cling to as Jesus begins to turn from what he has been playing and listening to through his ministry life to what lies ahead? It's as if Jesus is anticipating that his disciples uh, are going to need some structure for how to function as a community, as what would become the church on the other side of his death and resurrection and ascension. And so in this last I am statement, he is giving them a metaphor, uh, a way to think about what it means to stay connected to him for the good times and the bad times ahead. It's fitting as we uh, move from one year to, an, to the next to reflect and think ourselves. Just uh, what is it that we cling to as we think back on maybe uh, our best reads or the songs that we listened to or the movies that we enjoyed as we look ahead to what's next As we look back to both the high points of our year and for many of us, low and hard and difficult times, and as we look forward and think, okay, what's going to sustain me as we move into another year? Jesus meets you here and offers you a framework of hope, a framework that sustains you, an invitation to abide in him. We'll look at that uh, in two points this morning, a living connection and an abiding community. 
So in uh, the opening verses, this is the last of the I am statements in the Gospel of John. We had gone through many of these during the season of Advent. Uh, Remember, Jesus would say things like, I am the bread of life, I am the living water, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And here in chapter 15, verse 1, he opens and says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. And in verse 5, I am the vine and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I am in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. D.A. Carson is a New Testament scholar. And when he writes about this passage, he says that one of the most common motifs in ancient religions is that of the vine and vineyard. But I don't think that we have anyone here who makes their own wine. And I don't know of anyone here who has the space or the ability to uh, manage their own vineyard. Uh, Maybe I'm, I'm wrong, but as best I know, no vineyard keepers here. And so let me give you a little framework just so you can connect to what Jesus is unpacking here. Much like your hair, the hair on your head, or a garden, if you have ever tried to manage a garden, if you leave those things to themselves, they can get out of control. Uh, they, they, you have to like keep up with this stuff. You have to care for them. And that is an active and ongoing process. Well, that is how a vine works inside a vineyard. If you want a vine to produce grapes and you want those grapes to actually be good, then you can't just like plant it and leave it to, your, to itself. You have to keep up with it in a regular and ongoing way. You have to care for it. And uh, that metaphor of a vine and vineyard is commonplace, as D.A. Carson says, not only in ancient religions, but specifically to people who knew God in Jesus' day. Because in the Old Testament, one of the ways in which the people of God were referred to is as a a vine or as the vineyard of God. Uh, The metaphor that the prophet Isaiah uses in the fifth chapter is this idea that Israel, when they were taken out of Egypt, remember God delivered them out of oppression and slavery, and he took them uh, to the promised land, the land that he had given them. The metaphor that the prophet Isaiah uses is it's as if God took a vine from Egypt and planted it in the fertile ground of the vineyard of the promised land. And so the people of God functioned as God's vineyard. Now, uh, the prophet and in other parts of the Old Testament, what they're doing business with is oftentimes uh, that vineyard didn't produce great fruit. The people didn't do a good job of keeping up. They forgot God. They forgot God's promises. They forgot God's commands. And so, in a sense, they just let the vineyard go. It just kind of grew wild, but that didn't result in good fruit. And so the prophets are doing business with just uh, what happens when a vineyard that has been taken by God and planted in a special place to be God's vineyard uh, when the people don't care for it and it just gets out of control. That is the question that people are wrestling with when Jesus shows up and says, I am the true vine. It's as if he's taking on the metaphor from the Old Testament prophet and Psalms and saying, look, the one who is going to make this work, the one who is going to deal with this is me. 
That's what I have come to do. And you are invited to be a part of it if you just stay connected to me. I promise to ensure that things don't get out of hand, that things are kept up, that things are provided for. Jesus is offering us a living connection. He is the source, so he's declaring, of spiritual vitality And we are invited and called to stay connected to him. So how how does that land for you this morning? Well, I think one obvious way is, let's say this morning, you've arrived here at Mosaic Silver Spring, uh, and you wonder how well your own spiritual life, your own vineyard, so to speak, is being kept up. Maybe it's out of control. Maybe you haven't paid any attention to it at all. If that's the context that you're living in, uh, Jesus doesn't have a harsh word for you. He has an invitation. He is saying, hey, connect to me through faith. I will be your source of spiritual vitality. I am the true vine, the one who can provide for your deepest needs. Turn to me in faith. As a branch, you're then connected. And there's this language of abiding in him. Uh, This connection, this union This uh, vine and branches that continues through the rest of the passage. That language of this living connection, uh, I think, involves faith, for sure. Uh, Believing in Jesus, uh, clinging to him in your day-to-day life. But I think there's more to it than that. Because if you've arrived here this morning and you've wondered, um, okay, maybe my vineyard is in disrepair. What can I do? Jesus is, is extending to you this invitation. You say, okay, I want to take Jesus up on that. Okay, I turn to him in faith. Now what? And that's where I think this language of abiding in Jesus is helpful. Because the sense that the Gospel of John gives is that it's a living and ongoing connection through our lives. It's something that where our faith, it's not just a one-time decision at one point in our lives. It's something that day in and day out, we continue to practice staying connected, abiding in, remaining in Jesus. So it's faith for sure. But what it means is in our high points and in our low points, uh, we are participating in the work of God. We are abiding. We are remaining. Well, my hope is you are now asking yourself, well, how do I do that? I'm going to give you a couple of of options. These are the all-encompassing ways to do it, but I think there's at least a couple. The first is that in your own lives, you can pray and read Scripture. And in the high points and low points of your life, you can ask yourself, where is my hope found? Where can I turn? Uh, Is it uh, inward to my own sense of identity, to what I'm accomplishing in the world? If so, that's a lot of pressure. Jesus is undercutting that and saying, abide in me, remain in me. And so I think through prayer and through reading scripture, through taking it in, it's an invitation to us. More than that, it's an invitation to community. One of the ways you abide and remain now that Jesus has been raised from the dead and ascended is that you participate in a Christian community of fellow abiders, others, other branches who are trying to work through this in life. 
part of uh, where I want to encourage you is, look, on New Year's Day at 9 a.m., you have shown up to a church service. You are abiding. You should be encouraged. You are remaining. You are applying this. This is what it looks like. Not because somehow if you just come here, you don't have to do faith. Remember, it's how your faith is worked out. This idea that by showing up this morning, you're showing a level of abiding and remaining in Christ. We, later in the service, we will celebrate at the Lord's Supper. That is one of the ways in which mystically we abide and remain in Jesus, that we celebrate our union together with him. How do I know that I am abiding? Well, just a few diagnostic questions for yourself. Where is your faith and hope in life? Uh, where are you participating uh, in that faith? Where do you demonstrate that faith and work it out? My hope is as part of a community. I think it's very, very hard to have a living and abiding faith in isolation as an individual. I recognize that's a bit countercultural to our current moment, but I think that's what Jesus is saying here. So participating in community through celebrating God's means of grace. Well, if our living connection in Jesus is spelled out in that way, if Jesus is the true vine, then he tells us that the structure that he gives will shape our lives, that our lives will be marked by obedience, by producing fruit. This gives us a structure for how we can make decisions in our life about right and wrong, about what I should do with my energy and time and resources, about how I should prioritize things. That's what Jesus means when he talks about producing fruit or not producing fruit. If I can put it another way, imagine, and this may be really hard for you, but just try to imagine, just follow me for a second. Imagine you joined a gym and you were paying a monthly fee to the gym. So money's leaving your bank account and it's going to the gym, but you never work out. You just don't show up. Uh, when you think, ah, I should work out, you're like, oh, I'm tired. Oh, I should work out. Oh, I slept through my alarm. Oh, I should work out. Nah, I just don't feel like it. After doing this for months and maybe even years, you could ask yourself, am I being a faithful member of this gym? I mean, you'll likely ask yourself, is this a good use of my budget? Which is a fair question. But if you reflect it for a second, it just said, am I being a faithful member of this gym? What do you think the answer would be? No. Uh, because if you've signed up to go to the gym, then there's this implied sense of connection of how this will shape your life. It will be a part of what your day in and day out looks. It doesn't have to look one specific way. It doesn't mean you have to join seven classes and be there every hour of the day. But in some way, if the gym is not shaping your life at all, I don't know how much of a member you are of that gym. Well, that could work out in all sorts of ways. Um, uh, here, Jesus is working this out in the most important way. And that's when it comes to our spiritual lives. He's saying that what it means to be a Christian isn't just one small part of the pie of your life and daily activities. It's the whole thing. And so being connected to Jesus in faith and working that connection out through prayer and reading scripture and being in community will provide a structure for how you go through life. But if no decision that you make is ever impacted, by 
the true vine, then you wonder what sort of branch you are uh, living out. And, and that's the question that Jesus is pressing us to work through. I don't think that he's doing it in a way to be harsh. I think he's dealing with the reality for the disciples of what it means to stay connected to him. Well, how do we work that out? I have found that uh, there is a church father, that's a fancy way of saying, uh, someone long ago uh, who thought deeply about the Christian faith and was a leader in the Christian church thousands of years ago, His name is Augustine. And one of the ways in which Augustine worked through how we know whether we're abiding or not as part of God's community and as connected to the vine is the way in which the things that we love are ordered. Uh, And and it's almost a way to kind of take inventory. So it's not a to-do list where you say, if I just do A, B, and C, then I'm great. That's easy, but that's not what the Christian faith looks like when it comes to abiding. What Augustine said is, really, if you want to work this out, think about what you love. And I'm going to give you the five diagnostic questions. I'll try to do this slow enough where if you're taking notes, you can kind of make note of it, or you can go back and watch the recording or listen to the podcast later. First, Augustine says, do not love what you should not love. Um, So if there are things in your life that you shouldn't be attached to, but you find yourself regularly attached to them. Augustine says something is disordered in your loves. Uh, You're not abiding in the way that you should do business with that. So think of anything that Scripture categorizes as sin. Uh, Selfishness, uh, lust, greed. Uh, These are things that if you love money— If you love pornography, uh, if you love taking care and thinking of yourself and only yourself, maybe you're loving the wrong things. Uh, And so Augustine says uh, one of the ways in which you abide as a branch is you reorder that love. Do not fail to love what you should. So almost the opposite of that. Do not fail to love what you should. So here... Uh, The obvious ones are God and neighbor. Uh, In the fall, we went through the Ten Commandments, much of which has worked out this framework of how do I love God with all of who I am and how do I love my neighbor as myself? Failing to love those things means what you're loving is disordered. Do not love something more which should be loved less. So this is, uh, in in the words of Tim Keller, this is like making a, a good thing the ultimate thing. Right? So just an example, if you are on a career track, that's good. Uh, Praise God for your career. That's fantastic. It is possible, though, to love your career more than anything else. And and that's a disordered love. That, That means you're not actually abiding in the ways that you should. That's a bit out of whack. And so Augustine says, yeah, watch out for that. Entertainment. Uh, if you uh, live for the pleasures of life. And so everything else you do, you tolerate friendships, you tolerate family connections, you tolerate work, because those things are all things that must be navigated in order to get to the things that you really enjoy doing from an entertainment perspective. Maybe you love entertainment too much, and it's disordered. 
Do not love things equally, then they should be loved more or less. So when you think about uh, God and politics, just as an example that's pertinent to our area, do you equate uh, your love for God and your love for uh, political power or what's happening and put those things too much on a par when they shouldn't be equal? Um, That would be an example of a disordered love. Do not love things less or more which should be loved equally. Uh, So here, um, what it's saying is there are some things in life that should be loved equally. People in your life, right? So your neighbors should all be loved. And you should try as best you can to love them equally. Some neighbors are easier to love than others. And so what Augustine's warning you of is like, well, your neighbors should all be equally loved, but be careful of loving the ones who are easy to love uh, and then not loving the ones who are hard to love. Uh, That's not the way that it should work. If you're here and you're a parent, that's also true of children, right? Uh, So you can't love your children unequally. You should love all of your children and love them all faithfully. Uh, And so that's what uh, Augustine says. So if you aren't doing that, then maybe you have a disordered love. So five ways that Augustine gives us to say, look, when the things that we love get out of whack, we may be failing to abide as a community. And I find that to be a more helpful diagnosis than just giving you, say, three things to do. Here, it calls us to use wisdom, much of what we'll be talking about in the Proverbs series, to work through just who God has called us to be. What it means for us as a community of Christians to try to order our loves rightly. Maybe we have blind spots to those things. That's an additional benefit of community is that in a cross-cultural community, there are people here at Mosaic uh, where you can have the opportunity to have your blind spots put light on them. Uh, And that can be hard but it can help you better order your loves. Maybe see some of the ways in which you are failing to love uh, when you should be loving, or some of the ways in which you are loving more than what you should be. That's part of the value of an abiding community. The way that Augustine developed this concept, I think, is helpful because it invites us Um, Not to do a simple task list, uh, but to continue to look ahead to the Christian gospel song of hope that Jesus is mapping out for his disciples. I'm not sure exactly what 2023 holds. I, I would imagine that it's going to be a mixed bag for all of us, some good and some bad, some high points and some low. Uh, For some of you, that may be disproportionate some more than the other. Jesus' hope, what he offers us, is a source of ongoing spiritual vitality in the midst of all that we face. A way to actually grow, a way to order our loves, a way to live fruitful lives in which we not only love God but love our neighbors. That's what it means to continue to grow in our faith. As we move into 2023, my hope is that as we think through the harder things in life, that we do it as a community, turning to the true vine, abiding as a community in him. And trusting 
that it is God who's ultimately working for our good to sustain us. Let me pray. God, I ask that you will watch over us here at Mosaic. Thank you for bringing us through 2022. Thank you for giving us another day. And Father, I ask that as we work through questions in our own lives of the things that we love, of the ways in which we uh, care for one another, that you will help us to faithfully abide in you, we ask. In Jesus' name, amen.